Greetings, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and welcome to SJEN-TV Presents, another episode of Men on a Mission. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Zeke, and welcome to the program once again. Before we get into our guest, I wanted to uh, read something to you that's really profound and something for you all to think about, and it's called The Truth Reflected. You and I are all beloved sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. We are all sinners. Our sin is that we reject God in favor of our own desires. God as Jesus allowed himself to be crucified as reparation for our sins. We must respond to this gift, accept it or reject it. There is no middle ground. Acceptance means living a life of virtue. This is a call to true holiness, a call to true freedom. I want you to think about that, and we'll be right back, and I'll introduce our guest today. In Mark's Gospel, a deaf man is brought before the Lord to be healed, and Jesus takes the man off by himself away from the crowd. We live in a complex secular culture and are exposed to ideas that are incompatible with our faith, where objective moral norms are treated as mere rules and regulations that can be dismissed when they become too challenging or demanding. Friends, we must never forget that church teaching can never change regardless of whether or not people accept them or are faithful to them. If we are to free ourselves from the slavery of the culture of death, we who are deaf to truth must come before Jesus and allow him to remove the barrier and confusion of sin so that the voice of God may ring loudly in the ears of our hearts. Welcome back to the program. Let me introduce to you today our special guest, Mr. Bobby Keppel. Bobby, welcome to the program. Great to be on here. Bobby, why don't you tell the viewers a little bit about yourself and your background. Oh, boy. All right. Well, uh, my name is Bobby Keppel. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Suzanne. We have six children, uh, born and raised here in St. Louis, cradle Catholic. I have three sisters, two loving parents, and uh, come from a good, solid home. Good Catholic upbringing yes. and uh, yes. cradle Catholic. Cradle Catholic. Uh, you know, I would say we went to a Mass every Sunday. That was our, our go-to. Um, my parents, I think, even now would look back and say they got us to Mass. Maybe didn't do as well on the why behind the what, but uh, definitely we were Mass goers every, uh, every Sunday, 9 a.m. We well, had our pew. Thanks be to God thanks for that. Thanks be to God, yes. That's great. And I, I raised in an encouraging home. That's the word I like to use. Now as a parent looking back, that was a word I use right now for my kids. I want to make sure I'm an encouraging father, and I look back and I had that type of home, and I think that's why I'm passionate about that now. Well, and that's the way it should be. So that's sort of the legacy then your parents passed down to you, and you in turn now are trying to live that same. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny how uh, when the shoe's on the other foot, right. the responsibility factor kicks in. They say you don't know what your kid's going to be like till they're 25, 26. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in my 30s now. I hope my parents can be proud of uh, what they helped form. Well, I'm sure they are when they're looking at uh, the man you've become to be, yeah. husband and father, and uh, especially you said father of six kids. Father of six. How old's your oldest? Oldest is 12. 12 okay. down to one. So. And, yeah, you just had one, uh, what, just last spring? Just last spring, right. Wow. 
So it, it's a busy household. We don't have a TV. I mean, that's the joke, the running joke. Everyone asks. But um, anyway, well, with six or six yeah. little ones, you don't have time to watch <laughs> TV anyway. But uh, a little bit more of my past. I, I did have a great opportunity coming out of high school. I, I played baseball. Um, I was uh, drafted right out of high school to play with the New York Mets, which was a, a neat part of my career. I'm in a new one now, but I played uh, professional baseball for 15 years. So oh, you get to live the dream that every uh, young man in America yeah. dreams about. Got a cup of coffee in the big leagues. I played with three different teams in the big leagues: uh, Kansas City Royals. I was with the Rockies, and then I had a short stint with the Twins in 2009. So that was, uh, that was a good times. Uh, spent four years in Japan shortly after that. My claim to fame over there, besides a, a pretty cool catch I made, if you want to look that up, uh, I played with Yu Darvish for uh, two seasons. He's Whoa. come over here and done a great job. I yeah. was his number two. He was the number one. And I played with Shohei Otani, who's now doing great over here in the United States. Wow. So I had, those were my claims to fame in, the, in sports. Okay. So. So your background is you uh, started out early in your uh, professional life as a major league baseball player. Right. And uh, we all know that that's not a forever thing. No. But it, uh, it might have been, it wasn't your vocation, it was your occupation at one time. Correct. Uh, your real vocation is uh, husband and father. You, you got that right. It took me a while to recognize that, which is what's beautiful about this opening prayer that you had for us, um, to realize what we're called to. In the middle of baseball, I was raised in a world that it's, it's a very selfish environment. The world kind of revolves around you. There's a lot of glitz and glamour. Um, there's, I remember my first paycheck I saw in the big leagues. I was on a plane uh, heading out to New York and I saw a teammate of mine. His check was right in front of me back when they didn't do direct deposit and it was $332,000 after, oh, after taxes. You know, like cat net, you know, and I'm like, what are you gonna do with that? It's my first time seeing a comma and a paycheck. And I just go, man, I want that. So those desires, yeah. the cars, the, the yeah. private flight, all that stuff yeah. uh, engulfs you. It can very easily, and I wanted it. And there's, not, there's nothing wrong with some of that good, but it, when it became your idol, right. that's when uh, th this prayer hit home. Right. So you, uh, I get the feeling from listening to you, though, you have a, the building blocks in your life. You can directly point back to your upbringing and the, the faith foundation that your parents laid sure. for you. Yes. Yeah, so my parents were smart. They, they put me in the right environment. Um, there was a, a group that started at our local parish, a life team group. And I remember my first time I went, it was, uh, my sisters went before me, so I just was doing what they were doing. It was an eighth grade retreat, and I was sitting in the... Uh, in what they called a, a life night back then. And the youth minister said, you know, Bobby Keppel, it is so good to have you here tonight. Called me, call me by name, you know, and I remember that vividly. And little did I know, probably in the background, uh, Steve Allgaier, he kind of probably strategically knew, you know, being a younger brother that I was gonna be there. But I remember being called by name and going, why does he know me? Why does he want to know me? And it just interested me. Uh, life Teen turned to be this great opportunity to, to, to when you're in high school, man, there's so many things running around in your mind, but it was a safe environment to explore the faith. That's what, the best way I can describe life. Well, you were with peers, and right. uh, so, yeah, they're all doing it. So, yeah, you you're like, okay, feel can, comfortable in right. that environment. Though. And you have a guy you look up to as Steve who's, you know, athletic. He had a beautiful family. You're like, I, I could have that. That was a seed that was planted that wow. I can look back at when I was struggling in the wow. big leagues. I go, you know what, there's still more to life than this. You know, and just even saying that reminds me of the tragedy that just happened recently with Kobe Bryant passing away. Right. And I, I read an article about him that really struck home to me that, you know, championships come and go, he said. I hope that um, I'm remembered more for um, inspiring 
a, the next generation. I go, man, for a man to say something like that, he got it. Yeah. You know, um, and I hope that I can say that now in my life. It wasn't about baseball. It's the next generation. Well, he probably was right there. He'd come to realize there's a big difference between vocation and occupation. Yeah. That's... Yeah. That, uh, you know, uh, the fame and the fortune doesn't stay with you forever. <laughs> no. but, but the love of God is with you continuously, always there, always waiting for us. Well, that will take, that kind of takes me then, that, in that point, to how I got out of baseball. So uh, it was in, I was just coming back from Japan. I wanted to try to get another shot in the States. I was trying to do what a lot of pitchers do. They have their, their season in Japan. They come back. They want, to, they want to explore their opportunities here. I was with the Reds. And before I went out to spring training in that March uh, 2013, uh, my father told me he, was, he had cancer. You know, he, he gave you the news. And, you mm. know, your dad shares that. And yeah. He said, you know what, I'll be okay, though. This was in January. I'll, I'll be fine. Everything's going to be okay. Go on to spring training. And my wife and I said, okay, you know, we'll be praying for you. Doctors will take care of you. So we were in spring training, and I was having a good spring. Uh, the Reds had hopes that I might be able to break, uh, break with the club. Still had my 92-mile-hour sinker, and I remember my last pitch. I struck a guy out. I came home, and I had a text message, and my dad said, give him a call, and I gave him a call, and it's March, and he runs a landscaping business. And if you can imagine, March is a very busy time of year, and I remember my dad calling me going, hey, uh, son, I need your help, you know. <laughs> to have your dad ask for your help, I mean, right. it, it was no questions asked. Dad, I'll be home, you know, and Went into the office, told, uh, told my coach, I said, I, I, need to take, I need to take some time. And my wife and I packed up the, the car and we drove home. And that's, that's how it ended, the baseball career. But I knew right away, one, to come home to my dad and be there for a man who was there for me my whole life. Um, and now Didn't hesitate at all. It, it was, there was no question. I was, I was being prepared you know, right. that whole time. Right. And I'm home now and working with him. He's doing well. And we're working side by side in the business now. Wow. So it was a family business growing up and all that, and, and you being the only son, uh, here you are living your dream and all that, but your dad, not knowing what life uh, had in store for him, he, he threw that lifeline out to you and yeah. said, you know, what a, what a humble thing for him to do, and what a great love event for you to say, Dad, I'm there. You're right. It's a great, looking back, it's an awesome story to say it that way, because honestly, most guys don't get to take off the jersey on their own will. They're getting cut from the team. I mean, that's right. kind of the talk in the locker right. room. To be able to go out on your own, right. it usually doesn't happen that no. way. And in this situation, it was a choice that I made, that my wife and I made together. And, you know, it, we, we couldn't be happier where we are now. And we had yeah. three children at the time. The amount of time I have with my family now is, uh, it's, it's wonderful. I, I get to, I have my summers where I can barbecue. I didn't have a summer. I didn't have an evening <laughs> for 15 years. Yeah. You know, and now yeah. to have 4th of July and barbecue in the backyard, yeah. the community of friends that I've now developed. Yeah. Uh, so you still had uh, almost the best of both worlds. Right. You had the opportunity to live your dream early on, but now we know that uh, that, that doesn't last forever. And, right. you know, it's uh, unfortunate uh, that it went that way only because of the illness for your dad, but the fact that you willingly and lovingly said, I'm there, Dad, I'm home. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm here. So that opportunity, has, it's presented a lot more for us now. So I'm home, uh, home a lot more. Uh, I had the opportunity to dive in with my children, which is now where my passion is. In baseball, like I, I said at the beginning, the world kind of revolves around you. And I realized uh, there's two, type of pe two types of people in the world, those who are humble and those who are about to be humbled. And baseball, 
gives that opportunity to you often. When you're on the mound and you're not pitching well, you give up a crooked number in the first inning, or for me it was an eight spot, I remember, and you, you know that you got to get through the game. Your, your life can be humbled very quickly right. in, in baseball. And um, the, coming home and realizing what's most important, I'm, I'm thrilled that I'm where I am now, for sure. Right. So your experience in who, who had a big influence then uh, on your, your post-baseball life on your, your spirituality and where sure. you're at? Wow. So that's a, there's been, my wife is the number one. All right. Uh, the bottom line is she's the one that brought me back to my faith. Uh, she showed me a love at an early point in our engagement, actually, um, that to feel, to get love from someone outside of someone who's unconditionally has to love you from your parents, to, to, get lo- to receive a love, a mercy from someone outside of your family, that can transform your life. And can. that's what happened to me. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, so many people uh, haven't been blessed that way. And for you, then I get, from having met Suzanne, too, I know that she is a deep person of faith. Right. So it's wonderful how, as spouses, we can be that blessed cross for each other to really have something to hold on to when we're in in terrible moments or struggles or what have you. Yeah, I, I can imagine some people are wondering, like, well, what did she really do for you? And I'll, I'll try to break it down in a nutshell for you real quick. But basically, while we were in our engagement, some things came out uh, that I struggled with my whole baseball career, basically. I, I struggled with an addiction to online gambling. Started with the casino, went into online gambling. And imagine if any of you wives out there, you wake up one day, you have your, your pretty engagement all set up, everything's lined up, and you open up your bank account, and it's all red. It's overdrafted. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Imagine waking up to that. Wow. And that's what I did to her one day. It was August 8, 2006. She woke up to a bank account that was empty, and I had to call her and apologize. Um, I called up my friend Steve Allgaier first, and I said, Steve, I've lost her. It's gone. She's going to let me go. I've already done this twice to her. And he, he said... Um, call, go, go see her. And I remember flying out to go see her, got out to Phoenix, got out to the airport, and she still had a ring on her finger. She took me straight into the Adoration Chapel, which I n- really didn't experience much prior to that. We went from the Adoration Chapel to her apartment, and she said, you know, Bobby, I, w- I want everything. I'm sick of your A-game. I want to see, I want to know everything about you. She got out a yellow pad. She goes, the, the wedding's off, you know, but I want to know more about you. When we, when we got engaged, I knew that this was more than just, you know, this is forever, but I want to know right now, are, is this something you want? She wasn't interested in the baseball player. She was interested right. in the man. So seeing that and her willingness to go through marriage prep and do it the right way, to find out what this vocation was really about, right. it opened my eyes. I read right. the catechism for the first time, opened up, poured out, you know, what marriage really meant, and I, I was all in. I, I saw the mercy she was willing to give me, and I said, you know, if she loves Jesus enough to give me that second chance, I, I want to know more about this Jesus guy. So that's, that's it in the five-minute nutshell, <laughs> why, uh, why my wife turned my life around. What an amazing, amazing yeah. thing. Listen, we're going to take a break right here and come right back. Uh, we've got to hear more about <laughs> this, especially your amazing relationship with your wife. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This segment of Men on a Mission is made possible through the generosity of affordable kitchens and baths.
My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Welcome back to the program. Uh, Bobby, let's pick this conversation up before the break. You were just talking about how Suzanne got you to spill the beans. Spill the beans. Spill the beans and, and get real. So why don't yeah. you pick it up from there? Well, I'm looking over this truth reflector, which you started with, and we're all sinners. Our sin is that we reject God in favor of our own desires. I mean, that's where I was leading up to that time. You know, that kind of have to have that understanding that I'm, I'm a sinner and to be accepted, that identity that I'm not defined by this sin, but no. I, was, I became conscious of it right. and realized how this can affect not just myself, but you know, my, my future wife. And so that was a huge part. And that's why I, I go back, I'm very passionate now about marriage preparation. Um, right now, because of the marriage preparation I had in Phoenix, uh, I wanna be involved in it now. I was inspired by so many couples. My wife put me through the ringer. We did the six week, you know, weekend program. We did the weekend uh, marriage retreat. We did four weeks of NFP. So tell me, did you go into it kicking and screaming, or did you go in? Did you? Uh, no, I was go ready. Along? I'm going along, not kicking and okay. screaming. I'm All going right. along. I'm I'm ready to learn. And what she also did that was even not even on that itinerary, she called up couples that we looked up to, couples that were three, four, five years in front of us, couples that were 15 years in front of us our grandparents, and we'd have dinner with them. It called, called an interview, called a dinner, but we spent time with them. We said, what makes it work for you? So learning from people that had done it before so you us. really, really took it serious. That's the, that's the crux of the matter right there. We took it serious, and now looking back, that prepared me for everything we're doing now, you know, 13 years into marriage. Uh, from day one, we had a solid foundation, that's and that's great. what puts us where we are now. So. Wow. And it, you know, and it has to be that way. It has to be... Uh, uh, the importance of the seriousness of it, but more than that, the deep spiritual enrichment that comes from that, it has to be a relationship of, uh, as my wife and I say, it's you and me and the Lord. You know, it's three to get married. It's three to get married. Amen. So, And I, I think naturally... You don't think of it that way. It's just, it's just me and her. You know, hey, we're, we're going to get married. We've been dating for a while. This is just the natural next step. That can be the, and it's okay. I mean, God can work through that. I bet, I bet a lot of those people that you uh, sat and talked to about this didn't uh, try to present that it was going to be a fairy tale no, thing. not at all. That uh, they told you the truth on yeah. it. And, it. and you have to go in with your eyes wide open knowing, hey, look, we're two individuals. And you've been that way, but you have to, it requires, I hear these people say it's a 50-50 thing. No, it's a hundred percent. Amen. It's a covenant, not a contract. That was drilled into your mind. Yeah, we were told there's three rings, right? There's the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and suffering. And and, and those, I mean, that suffering's real. Everyone who's been married knows that. And that suffering is really the loss of yourself, that selfishness that needs to be burned away. And marriage does that. And And while you're doing it, it's not... That suffering can be 
so much greater. But I, I don't want to dwell on the suffering of it. The marriage has been great. Um, I wanted to talk. The other thing I learned in marriage prep, and I cannot forget it still, is the, the total faithful, fruitful, free. And it comes off my tongue because I've heard it so many times, but giving yourself totally to your spouse, um, faithfully, forever. I mean, there's the trust that becomes there freely, without any reservation. Without, It's not a shotgun wedding. No I'm strings not forced, attached. No strings attached. Uh, and then fruitful, right? That's part of it. And that fruitfulness, while it is children, um, it is also uh, the ability to minister to those outside of your home. I mean, you're, we're a domestic church in our house, right. and we are priest, prophet, and king in our home. I, and these things I all learned after, you know, but right. by studying, I know that our home is there to be a witness of love. So that's some of the things I learned in marriage prep early on. That's a beautiful witness. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that too many people don't think about that. The fact that, you know, it's three to get married, and that if you don't have your foundation, a spiritual foundation set in concrete, firm, that can sustain you through those, those hard times, those difficult times, then I don't know how, how we would right. weather the storm, as they say. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I briefly shared the, the time in engagement, and some might say, well, it's been fairy tale ever since, and it hasn't been. I mean, the reality is there's a lot of things that was just the, the tip of the iceberg. There's some deeper things that were causing those issues that have been burned away through time. Suzanne, the one thing I have to credit with, and I'll tell this to you wives, um, if you have a husband that you're praying for and you want him to come back to the church, uh, do not nag him. Nagging isn't going to get you anywhere. Um, pray for him, love him, but also when you see when you see him make any movement, encourage. Uh, that would be one word I would use. And also, I want to share this, and Suzanne, I love you for this, but you've never hung this over my head that you, that you did that for me back then. That's something I'll always, I, I love about her, is that she's never said, you remember what I did for you then? Right. Um, she's never done that, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Right. And why'd she do that? She did that out of love. She's concerned about you. If you have genuine love for one another, it's like taking that bullet. Yeah. It's like love is unconditional. Sure. And she's doing it because she was loved in a way. Right. I mean, where, where she went to school, she she was experienced. She had that conversion of her own. She has her own story. And then they'll do women on a mission someday. But um, to fast forward a little bit into our marriage, something that has uh, also really empowered me, uh, inspired me, was Into the Breach by Bishop Olmsted out of Phoenix. So if you have a chance to get to read that, Into the Breach, 20-page document, that was just an exhortation to men to go four out men. for men. And I think any man, if you're challenged to read that, you'll realize what we're called to uh, more, way more than just that Hollywood dad that Why you see you right now. Why don't you speak to the men about that? Because, you know, people suggest check this out, check that out or whatever. And, you know, as opposed to reading the sports page or, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the Wall Street Journal, the beauty, the importance of reading some of these things were guys, in this case, he gave us some real meat, practical, potatoes, yes, yes. practical advice. Why yeah. don't you talk a little bit about that? It's been a while since I've read it, so I don't know if all the details will well, that's be right. live. But, but no, the, the, the impact. The, idea, the, it impact. the impact it said you need a brotherhood. You need brothers. And any man knows that within work, a fraternity of men uh, around you to uplift you. Like minded. Like minded. Uh, surround yourself with people that are going to make you better. Uh, I think that's part of it, um, and, I, and this community I have here has been great for that. Uh, and if you don't have one, make one. 
Start one. Start one. Start be the one. leader. If you're saying, well, it's hey, like a friendship. It just it starts with two, but don't be inclusive. Right. You know, in loving, bring other guys in. It's like building that platoon, that squad. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the Crusaders. It wasn't a crusader of two or one, right. Right. or an army of one. No. And and to build that, you're gonna have to be yourself. I would say authentically look yourself in the mirror. Say this is who I am. You don't need to change. You don't need to be a uh, a theologian to start a men's group. Right. Be yourself, but realize, hold that mirror up to yourself and go, there's things in me that I need to change. Be willing to do that. And that was the humility side. You got to realize where you're coming from. And I had to do that. I'm sure you've discovered this too. Our Lord is always so close by. He's just waiting for an invitation by us. Yeah. He respects our free will. He doesn't interfere. But for those that invite him in, uh, you better buckle your trench strap because right. he's he's going to give you what you ask for. Right. All we have to do is ask for it. Amen. Now you've been through that. You know what that's like. Right. Uh, and yeah, I, I do know what it's like. I know what it's like to you know putting the shaving cream on your. You look yourself in the mirror and you, you're going, man, who are you? Who is this guy? Are you proud of? Who, are you a man of integrity? I think that's a challenge I always ask myself. Am I one person here at work and one person here at home? I want to be a man of integrity, right. and that was a challenge that I gave myself through the Into the Breach. You know, I want to be one person, whole. I know one of the things that's beautiful about what you're doing in your experiences and talking about men, you are associated with some other like-minded men in, in your parish, uh, young dads, young fathers. Why don't you tell our viewers a little bit on how that's materialized and how you guys have grown to support one another and help each other and expand out your influence sure. in, the, in your parish. Well, I mean, we all were kicking and screaming. We went on a retreat down in uh, Georgia. Uh, the wives bought it for us as a, um, a Christmas gift. And we, we were just kind of drinking friends. We would go out in the backyard barbecue during, that was the, one summer. That Christmas, we were all bought this gift. We went on this retreat. And this retreat changed our lives. It opened us up to the, our identity, who we were called to be. And we also were driving home the 10-hour trip, and we said, things have to be different. And we've met every Wednesday since then, basically. We said, we need to do something different. And from that, we read into the breach. And we said, okay, great. We had this great experience for us six guys. We need to bring this to our parish. And we said, well, let's... Let's get some guys together, have a weekend together. and It was so important that you couldn't contain it. You had to share it. And yet, so and there, it, yeah. it, re it required you to be generous. Correct. As much as God is generous with right. us, now you were compelled. You just couldn't keep it to yourself. This light could not be held just right. here. We had to share it. And we finally, we had, there's gifts in our community. We used them all the best we could. We had guys who are beautiful with music and music ministry. He led that. We had guys who had been in youth ministry that could give some talks. We did that. We threw a day together. Fifty guys showed up, and they said, this is great. We need to do it again. So what is the fruit of this now? We're, what impact has this had, not only on you guys, but in the community at large? I think it's brought people to realize that faith is real. There's a person behind it. Um, these men who are all going through similar strugglers, struggles can look around and say, hey, there's another man going through it. But he's still, he's shown up for Mass. He's, uh, he's loving on his kids. He's uh, apologizing. He's, he's sorrowful. He's merciful. It, it's changed our community. I think it's, they realize it's more than work. So if I understand it correct, okay. it's really helped you guys be who God created you to be. The right. husband, father, man. <laughs> yeah. And it is. That's it? right. It's the end of the prayer. 
pure freedom, true freedom. Yeah, becoming the person you're called to be. And right. And the thing that's amazing, too, you hit on it just a minute ago about that confliction that men feel and they act like this in this environment. And over here, when they're in mass, they realize they're maybe not the same guy. And a house divided can't stand. No. And they and you feel that so men figured out, hey, I can I can be in love with the Lord and know God is real, and it doesn't diminish my manhood or who I am. In fact, I can feel have peace in my life and true happiness. Yeah, isn't that what you all felt? That, yes, and I would I would say as a challenge to anyone, if if you're thinking this, I'm not sure if this is going to work, or uh, how, I would say try it first. Let your body. Our testimony is more than just words. It's actually our actions. To claim belief in God requires action. And if you're saying, I'm not sure, I would say give the action first. I think that love, love your wife, love your community, but love, love your spouse. I think that will spurn on your love for God. Right. I don't know. Well, you can be able to see Jesus in her, and uh, she can see Jesus in you then. Yeah. And those around you. Well, Bobby... Listen, before we shut this down, I want you to speak, if you would, speak to the men out there on what it feels like to really find that happy place, that peaceful, spiritual place with the Lord and the importance that it's made in your life. I would say when you finally get there, when, when I struggle every day to get there, it's to realize there's no more. My day doesn't depend on uh, how people treat me. Um, how my wife treats me. My day depends on that I'm a son of God. And I realize that there's nothing that can take that away. That freedom of knowing who I am and the love I have, um, really there's no more bad days. That's, I, I think that's where I'm at right now. What a great testimony. What a great blessing that is too. And it's there for every man to find. All we have to do is ask God, just, ask. just Lord, show me the way. Uh, I know I can't do it on my own. I'm here for you. I'm tired of being conflicted. I want to I be your follower right at your side or sit at your feet, whatever. Bobby, thanks so much for being our guest today and sharing a little bit about your faith story. Wonderful testimony. I want you to know that we're going to continue to pray for you. I'm going to pray for our listeners out there too, our viewers, and uh, ask you to please pray for us. So in the meantime... I'll have to say goodbye for now. God bless you all and looking forward to see you again real soon. Take care.